All right. Well, been pretty cold recently, right? And I think uh, this weather has been kind of an indication uh, of our football um, mood, I guess you could say. Pretty disappointing week for, for both of us. Uh, both of the teams are following that. Uh, Tell me about it. But it was a crazy, just crazy slate of games this weekend. And, you know, last week, last year, uh, we had that crazy week where there was just, you know, it's like, oh, man, a bunch. Nah, this week probably tops everything that we've seen over the past uh, several years, I would say. So let's just get right into it. Uh, One of the big, I guess, comeback surprises, unfortunately, for you, Matt. Uh, was against your team, and so I can already tell by the look on your face, you've been dreading talking about this. But you know we got to talk about it. So, what happened to the Cowboys, Matt? What what happened? You know, it's been what twenty four hours, and I'm still speechless. I can't explain it. I really, I really cannot explain it. Um. I'm still in shock, but you know, this is kind of what it's kind of seems to be a, a theme right now. You know, this is the second time they've blown a double digit lead in the second half. The first time was against green Bay. They were up 14 in the fourth lost that game today or yesterday up 27 to 10 in the third quarter. And we lose that game. So this is a cause for concern for me because I would say, you know, one time, you know, everybody has a bad game, but anytime it happens multiple times, I'm a little concerned. And what happened was uh, two things, really. Actually, three things. Number one, my defense. <sighs> I was so high on this defense from the start of the year. And especially as we got to the middle of the year, I thought this was the best team or best defense in the NFL. I can no longer make that case anymore. It's not valid. I'm going to have to hand that title to the 49ers. But I still thought this was going to be a top five defense. You know, hey, top five defense, that's a Super Bowl caliber defense. Um, when you have a legit defense, as we call them, I don't care how bad your quarterback is, you get a double-digit lead in the second half, that needs to be a win. Even if the offense scores zero from that point on, once you get a double-digit lead, and if you're that defense, you got to close that game out. And it was just a lack of, of everything. And it's kind of started, you know, from the first quarter, if you could say. Um, they really didn't start, you know, stop Jacksonville, really. It was more them stopping themselves, right? ETN had that fumble in the first half. 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick in the second half as well. He also fumbled. But really outside of that, they weren't punting. <laughs> they were just marching right down the field. Um, starting up front, you know, my guy, Micah Parsons, had a sack in the beginning of the game. I thought, okay, here we go. He's starting to come alive. But he went uh, no-show for the rest of the game. You know, if you're the best defensive player in the league, which I think he is, it's Jacksonville. No offense. I know you guys won, but you're still Jacksonville. Why are you not making an impact? Right? 11 from heaven. You got to do your thing. D-Law, I didn't hear his name all game. You got to do your thing. You're a Pro Bowl player. You're the vet. You got to show up. Even Dorrance Armstrong, he got injured, unfortunately, which is, you know, unfortunately causing to be a common threat here is this Dallas team was so healthy in the beginning part of the season. Now we are just being ravished by injuries. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong went down. Leighton Vanderesh went down. And Nashawn Wright, probably people have no idea who that guy is, but he's our backups backup at corner. And boy, we need him because our backup got a burnt toast by Zay Jones. Zay Jones gave him the business. And for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, that's Mr. Bossman Fat, Kelvin Joseph, who was the worst, the worst player in the game by far. Dallas gets up 27 to 10. I'm like, okay, you know, this is perfect. You know, we got him right where we want. And you give up a 50-yard touchdown to Zay Jones. Like, how? Like, just tell me how. You're up three possessions. That's the last thing you can do is give up a bomb touchdown like that so quickly. Like, like I, I can't even explain that. That's just terrible. Terrible technique. That's not even coaching. That's all in the player. You got to know... You're up three scores. You have no business getting beat deep. If you get beat by under routes, curl routes underneath for 10 yards, that's fine. I can live with that. But you cannot be giving up a big play touchdown like that to give them all the momentum. And then, you know, we can get into this guy a little bit later. But, you know, Dak and his whole play this game was a lot of, you know, talk as well. But man, the defense just was bad. And even when we get later into the game, Dallas gets the lead back, 37-34. We need one stop. We don't get that. Yeah, they forced a fumble, but if you're that championship defense, you got to close that out. And they didn't make the plays that they needed to make. It's like this. You know, hey, I don't care if they were a fingertip away, Donovan Wilson. You were a fingertip away from saving this game, but you still didn't make the play. It's so tough. You didn't make the play. And if it's frustrating because this is a championship defense and we didn't show up. And if we can't win that way, we ain't going anywhere in the playoffs. By the way, we are in the playoffs, which is why I'm like, I don't know how to feel right now. We had an embarrassing loss, but we're in the playoffs. Thank you, New York. But, you know, anyway, the defense was bad enough. Deron Bland probably was the only star of the game. He was outstanding. He's probably going to be the outside corner. Um, 
in the basic packages and then wants to go to nickel, he's going to move to the slot and who knows who's going to be the outside corner from there. But as always, we always got to talk about this, this player every week. Why is it always that Dak Prescott is being talked about on this show? He just always does things bad. He's just bad. <laughs> Did he play bad the whole game? No, he didn't. He actually had a pretty efficient game, I will say. But he made one pass that costed us the game, you could say. You cannot be throwing an interception in your own end zone. Especially, one, it's second and 18. What are you doing trying to force the ball into tight coverage? And two, look at what just happened. Kelvin Joseph gets beat for a 50-yard touchdown. Now Jacksonville's got all the momentum. The absolute last thing you want to do is turn the ball over. I'm honestly fine with a punt because at that point, yeah, we got beat on a 50-yard bomb, but it's not like they methodically just beat us down the field. right? I didn't see it in that second half yet. So I, I need to see that first before I start getting to getting worried. But you give them a short field and boom, they just they're right back in the game. Like ugh, it's that those plays that are gonna limit this team. And it really is Dak Prescott gonna determine the season. He doesn't make that pick. We I mean, just do the math. We don't we we will win a win in the game. We win that game. He makes $75 million. He leads the NFL in turnover since he's been back. Yeah, that's not a good stat. That's terrible. Not a good stat. You make $75 million, and I got a guy on the bench who should be playing named Cooper Rush, Cooper Mother Bleepin' Rush, right? The most boring quarterback, but I love him because he plays the game the right way. He just takes care of the ball. I don't need flash. I don't need to be, hey, I'm Dak Prescott. Look at me. I'm the, the face of the Cowboys. One, you're not. It's Michael Parsons. So get over it. Stop trying to steal his thunder. And two, your object is to win games. And you said in your last press conference against the Texans, you need to do a better job of taking care of the ball. Right? You say the exact same things every single week with nothing to changing. You know what that's called? Insanity. Dak Prescott, you're insane with the way that you're playing. You cannot be turning over the ball like that. That's why all myself included, as well as the rest of Cowboy Nation, we can't take it already. It, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But, you know, I always rip on him every day or every week. I'm going to rip on him the next time because it's just, it's just a weekly thing. So I'll save him a little bit of grace. But that I'll say this one thing. The last pick wasn't his fault. That was all Noah Brown. Gotta make that catch. Yeah, but that's tough. Honestly, like the defense and Dak. It's just kind of a theme. But I cannot let the coaching staff off the hook on this one. Especially not Mike McCarthy to say. Kellen Moore. He might be, I think I honestly don't like him more than Mike McCarthy. Like, he's awful. He's awful. His head is just ridiculous. Let's just let's just start with some of the basic things. It's like he's so damn predict he's so predictable. And the Jaguars, credit to them, they figured out what they were doing. 
do you know how many times like I was just screaming at the TV? How many times Dallas had first down runs up the middle? It was just like every first down, we're running it up the middle. Like, can you guys do something different? And it's like, huh, you notice that when you guys do a play action on first down, you guys had a pretty successful uh, play and yardage gain. So, you know, I'm not saying you got to run it up the middle every single time or don't run it. It's called balance. If you run it one time, don't do it again. Run it to the outside. Run a play action boot. Like, change it up. They were just hellaciously rushing the box. And we're always getting put in second and long. And then that's when, you know, Dak Prescott gets to be Dak Prescott. And then, you know, when you get him in bad situations like that, he's going to make mistakes. So you got to play complimentary football and stop being so predictable. That's what this offense is. It's so predictable. That's why I, I can't stand him. And then let's get to the, to the end of the game management. So Dallas, they get that fumble from Trevor Lawrence. The defense makes the play. Now it's like, okay, we need yeah, a first this, down. This is pretty. We, we need it. We need a first down to win the game. So they run it on first down up the middle. Shocker. But at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to make them burn their time out. So whatever. They run it twice. Now it's third down and 10. They got one timeout left in Jacksonville. And my initial reaction was let's go win this game. Like, I was okay with them passing. Let's like let's let's win it because you know third and ten. To the most part for this game, outside of that one throw, I was like, you know, Dak's been pretty good. You know, he's seventy five million dollar man last year. This is why you paid him. Make the big play. And the play call happens, and we throw a go route to not CD Lamb but Noah Brown, and it's incomplete. And oh, so you, we okay, we punt the ball, but lo and behold, because Jacksonville has that timeout, that's why they got that field goal to send it to overtime. I mean, I, I, like I said, I wanted them to get that first down, I was okay with the pass, but not a 40 yard go route. Like, what? It's not third. Like, I just couldn't under, I couldn't believe it. Like, you can play action, just a simple bootleg, just throw it in the flat. You could just call call a screen. I like that's fine. Throw, call a screen to CD, and you know, hopefully he makes a couple guys miss. And it, I was okay with honestly, I would have been okay with a run too, because at worst you at least burn the timeouts. But why do you call a forty yard go route? And one, you don't even throw it to your best receiver, like. You throw it to Noah Brown, not even Michael Gallup. Like Michael Gallup is your deep guy who's gonna make those jump ball catches. You don't even call it to him. Just out of this world, ridiculous. Like Helen Moore is awful. I really hope he gets a job somewhere else. Like he should be a head coach, just not for my team, because I can't stand them already. Uh, it's, it's everything, and this this is. Credit to Jacksonville. They took advantage of us, but all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, yeah, okay, maybe they got a pass. But coaching, it was all a nightmare. It was all a nightmare. And it was so it's so awkward because 
Dallas clinches that playoff spot thanks to the Giants. And it's like, I don't know how to feel. We just had an embarrassing loss. We're not going to win the division, most likely. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's an ugly game. And I was so excited to play Philly. And now it's just like, whatever. Let's just play Philly. They might not even have Jalen Hurts now. So all that hype of that game, it's just the life just got sucked out. And at this point, I'm just praying that we just get the five seed. We get the five seed and we play whoever wins the NFC South. And we probably won't know until the last week of the season. <laughs> but ah, what an ugly game. I, You know, I'm done. I'm done with this game. L- let's talk about your disaster in Buffalo. <laughs> oh, I, I'm done. I'm You're, done with this. this that team. was a lot. You said a lot there, bud. Uh, it's like, I don't even know where I could have jumped in there. I will just say, though, like this game felt so competitive right for most of the game you know jacksonville's coming back and then after you guys scored um you know with that long long touchdown to put you guys up 34 to 31 from there the rest of the game it's like okay i don't want to win the game here you go in the game no you go in the game (laughs) right like i i think trevor lawrence so we had him. I think we both had him as our second best quarterback at the end of last year, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Right behind Justin Fields, and you know those two guys have been playing really well. And I think Trevor Lawrence is starting to take that next step. Uh, but this one, I mean, I, I don't. It's hard to fault him because you know he's trying to make a play for his team. He got the first down, right? Huge run, but it was almost a Marcus esque play to me, like Marcus Mariota esque play, kind of like. Huge, make a huge play for your team. You're you're trying as hard as you can. You want to do the best you can, but then you know costly fumble that, quite frankly, should have cost the game. Yep, for them should have cost the game. Uh, I don't fault him. You know he he's gonna learn from that, but in that situation, they did not deserve to win off of that, right? So, I I get the frustration, and to me, uh, yeah, I I usually am a Dak defender i guess you could say at least against you but to me that third and ten right i don't know if this is not communicated between mccarthy kellen moore or dak or if whatever the you know communication is there but to me uh if i'm the coach i'm telling dak okay third and ten right we're looking for the first down it should be first down completion or eat it right those are the orders. You do not want, uh, like you said, an incomplete pass, right? So to me, right, that play took kind of long. I don't know if that's Dak just going through his progressions and he's like, ah, I got Noah Brown one-on-one. Now. Let me go just go chuck it and see. Hope he catches it, right? Uh, to me, it it should be like, you know, you have your first down route, which I'm guessing is CD, right? You have him run whatever route he's going to run to try to get first down. That's not there. Okay, take your check down, eat the clock, right? Make Jacksonville burn the timeout. And if nothing is there, you just got to eat it, right? Take the sack. Take the sack. Take the sack. Exactly. Sack is way better there because I don't think without a timeout and, you know, you got your $9 million punter back there, pins them back deep, right? Uh, With no timeouts to get into field goal range, I don't know if Jacksonville is able to do that. So, to me, that that was kind of my only knock against – Dak there but anyway yeah i know it was a rough game we don't have to talk about it anymore 
sucks for you guys, but at least you got into the playoffs. And we'll get into that game later. Um, it's going to be a long, long NFL segment here. But I guess let's get into my game, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> so the Dolphins went up to Buffalo, lost a close one. 29 to 32, Tyler Bass, game winning field goal as time expired. <sighs> and, you know, it was a primetime game in the sense that it was the Saturday night game, right? So a lot of eyes watching. And honestly, I thought Tua played okay. You know, I thought he had some good moments, uh, had some moments where he probably could have played a little better, like placed the ball a little bit better. But I'm not going to say they lost because of him, right? Early on in the game, uh, they had goal-to-goal situation. Tyreek Hill hit him right in the hands, dropped, right? That I, It was a tough catch, but uh, that's a catch that you expect Tyreek Hill to make, I think. Uh, I mean, hit him in both of his hands, right? And then Trent Sherfield, who's been a pretty solid third wide receiver. We thought it was going to be Cedric Wilson this year. Uh, but it's actually been Trent Sherfield. And, you know, third and goal, Tua threw it low. So, you know, he doesn't get creamed uh, at the goal line. He goes down to make the catch and just drops it. You know, they have to settle for three there. thought that was a big – that one hurt um, to be goal to go like that, not be able to get six there, especially against Buffalo. You know, that was, that was a big loss, uh, that play right there. But overall, not too – I was, out. I guess, moral victory, you could say. It was a moral victory. But it was good to see the offense get back on track in this environment, right? They're going – like I said, going into Buffalo. Buffalo already, um, you know, lost to them earlier in the year. So you know they were going to be hungry. The fans were chucking snowballs. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah, and it was cold, right? Everyone's oh, two can't play in the cold. They, can, you know, this warm weather team, how are they going to be able to play in the cold? And you know, I thought for the most part, they showed at least on offense, they showed that you know, Mike McDaniel made the adjustments he needed to make and got that run game on track. And I think that run game was huge for them, right? Mostert exploded. I mean, 136 yards on 17 carries. Um. Uh, quite frankly, I wish they ran the ball a little bit more. Uh, there are a couple third and shorts there that uh, I think Mike, he just needs to commit a little bit more, you know, to that run game. Just trust it a little bit more, uh, you know. But anyway, uh, overall, I, I thought this was a good bounce back game for Miami. Um, you know, they just look so bad the, the past two games to do this against arguably one of the best teams, you know, in the NFL, if not the best team right now uh, in the NFL, at home, in the cold, hostile environment, right? I thought it was pretty impressive. Uh, They didn't come away with the win, which is kind of what matters, but, you know, they're still in it. They control their own destiny. Uh, There are three games left, and they got Green Bay, New England, and the Jets. All are winnable games that they, I, I think they can win. Uh, hopefully finish 11 and six, but we'll have to see. Um, but to me, the the thing I really think that, 
you know, Miami's going to need to figure out is how they're going to create some sort of pass rush, right? So to me, I know I focus more on the offense, right? Usually with two and everything, but, you know, I'm not so concerned about this offense anymore. I think Mike did what he had to do and they found their identity, uh, run the ball, you know, use uh, Tyreek and Jalen in space, uh, kind of what we already figured, right? On defense, though, man, I just got to say Bradley Chubb, who I thought was going to be the, the missing piece for this team, right? We lose Emmanuel Ogba, who had been our best pass rusher the past two years, right? Uh, okay, Bradley Chubb, perfect. We're paying him all this money. He's going to be the guy to take us and that defense over the top, right? Where has he been? Uh, like... He's, he's just been, been hanging out with Micah Parsons. Honestly, I don't know what's going on. He has been a complete and I, quite frankly, a disappointment because, you know, I'm we're not paying you to be a guy to eat up a block. We're paying you, right? The Dolphins are paying you to win one-on-one. And I don't know what's going on with him right now, but he's not winning the one-on-one battles. It's one thing to be Aaron Donald, right, and take up two guys right or michael parsons or bosa or Watt, right like to have two guys concerned to you but when we're rushing four and they're dropping five you're not getting chipped you're not really getting doubled anymore because christian wilkins has been uh so dominant for us on the as a defensive tackle he has a lot of one-on-one matchups and you know jalen phillips the other edge rusher i I really like like him. him I like him. He plays really hard. Uh, his effort is there. He's fast, too. He's fast for an edge. You know, I think he just needs to develop the pass rush techniques a little bit more. And he'll be there. So I'm not, you know, too concerned with him because I think he... I just love his motor. He he just has such a high motor. Uh, even the sack that he had, the fumble, uh, the forced fumble that he had on Josh Allen, right? He didn't really win. He kind of got pushed out, you know, past Josh Allen, but he stayed with the play, hustled, looped all the way, came all the way back around behind Josh Allen, got in there from the sh- for the strip sack, and that's what I love the most about his game. But like I was going back to Bradley Chubb, man, we need him to start winning some of these one-on-ones. We're paying him all this money, right? Our defense is banged up right now. Uh, Javon Holland went out for a brief moment in this game. We're missing Eric Rowe in the back end. I don't even talk about Byron Jones anymore because he hasn't played in pretty much like going on two years now. Right. But so this team is not a hundred percent healthy. We lost Brandon Jones earlier. Uh, He was our starting safety as well. So this, this defense is kind of banged up. We need guys, especially the front four to get pushed when it's Zach Sealer. I don't even know if you know who that is, Matt, Zach Sealer. He's our, one of our defensive tackles. Uh, Christian Wilkins is a beast. Now I, I think, Teams are starting to pay attention to him, but they're just leaving Bradley Chubb out one-on-one and he's not winning. And that's like, we got him to get, go get Josh Allen, to go get Patrick Mahomes, to go get Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter. That is what we are paying him that kind of money to do. And that last drive, Josh Allen sitting in the pocket, you know, just picks apart this, this defense. And I'm just, it, that was probably the most frustrating thing to me because I thought the offense played well enough. Probably, you know, obviously could have played better, right? They could have put the game away. 
couple more scores in the fourth quarter, right? I get it. But you put up 29 against Buffalo in Buffalo in the in the cold and you know that type of environment, like you don't expect Buffalo's defense to give up 29, right? So I thought, you know, just a little disappointed from the defense. And I'll allude to the play calling a little bit too here because I don't really talk about it too much. But the the trend that I've been noticing this year uh with our DC is I don't get why he will blitz on like a third and short, right? So it's like third and four, third and three, right? He'll send six, five or six guys. And what do the good quarterbacks do? They find their hot, just check it down to the flat or the quick hitter across the middle, and we pick up the first down. Then it's like third and 13, third, you know, second and 17. That one of those uh, drives, you know, Buffalo started deep in their own territory, just second and 17, right? He That's when he chooses to only rush four, drop into zone, and what Josh Allen, oh, right over the middle, Gabe Davis first down. It's like, I, like, it's just like the calls to me like that. He's such an aggressive, you know, play caller, but, you know, he's just going to sit back and let, you know, Josh Allen, oh, I'm just going to sit here, right? Uh, oh, let me just roll, you know, roll out. Like, there's no contain. I don't. Oh, it's so frustrating to watch. Um, yeah, but so I, I just hope you know, some of the defensive play calling gets shored up. We get healthy again because this is the pivotal three game stretch now for Miami. They control their own destiny, right? Their fate, the fate is in their hands. So if they win out, they're in. Even if they win, I think even if they win two out of the next three, they're in. So they have a decent chance of sneaking in at the seven. Uh, hopefully, they're either the six or the five seed. We'll have to see how the other teams do. But I, I have a, I have faith because Baltimore is slipping. You know, um, the Chargers. I know they're, they're, they got Justin Herbert, but it's just something about the Chargers that they could lose to any team on any week. Like, doesn't matter who they play. And the Jets and the Patriots right now just do not look good, especially Zach Wilson's back in. Um, this is Miami's, uh, you know, playoff spot to lose, in my opinion. So they go out, take care of business. They're back. They should be back on track. They get Green Bay at home. You know, Green Bay, they're not quite the, that same team anymore, even against the Rams tonight. I know, I know they beat them by multiple scores but it didn't it looked too hard i guess um but yeah that's that's my assessment it was a frustrating one for sure uh i don't even want to talk about the penalty calls maybe i'll brush on that later but yeah that was well i think i want to ask what's your like on a scale like one to ten how confident are you that they'll get in the playoffs i'd say i'm at like an eight, eight or nine. I'm pretty confident they're going to get in the playoffs. You know, like I said, though, if they looked like how they looked against the Niners or the Chargers in Buffalo, I'd probably be at a three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like my confidence would be pretty low, even if they were still eight and six, right? Uh, but because you know, it was, it was just a mix of everything, right? Josh Allen, Bills, freezing cold, right? The snow falling. For to be a 
you know, warm weather team and come out and show up like that against probably one of the best. I mean, Buffalo's the one seed, right, in the AFC. So um, to do that against the best seed in the division, I thought that was pretty impressive. So I'm just hoping they're not satisfied. They're still hungry for that win. Can end it on three-game win streaks. So I'd say I'm I'm about a nine, eight or nine. So I'm assuming you're probably at an eight or nine, too, for your Cowboys, right? I'm at a 10. They're in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are in the playoffs. All right. Well, you know, we got a lot of other games to talk about, so I'll cut mine pretty short. If they lose to Green Bay, I'm flipping out, though. Uh, <laughs> they better not lose. They better not lose to Green Bay on Christmas. That's going to ruin my Christmas right there if they lose to Green Bay. Well, how do you think I'm going to feel if we lose to the Eagles on Christmas? Oh, my goodness. Like, that's not At good. At least you're in the playoffs, so come on. But it's the Eagles. They're so nasty. Like, their team, <laughs> the fans, they're all, they're all evil. They're just evil to the core. <laughs> like, we don't want to lose to them. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope for wins. For... So we both have a happy Christmas. Then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, well, this is going to be a long football segment. We're probably going to go past our break. But, you know, which game should we talk about to end up end our football session? We got a lot. We could go a lot of different ways. Uh, You know what? Let's talk about. I want to talk about the play first. We got six minutes. Let's talk about the play. And I think you know which play I'm talking about because there's one specific play from this weekend that a lot of people that I've seen on the internet are calling the dumbest play in NFL history, right? Uh, Unfortunately, it happened to the one Patriot I like, Jacoby Myers. I actually like Jacoby Myers. He's probably my favorite Patriot, but he was just trying to do too much. And uh, no time left, right? Tie game. You lateral the ball back 25 yards to Mac Jones. Oh, my He's God. He's also a meme. I mean, what was that tackle attempt to? Okay. He just got, we got, got talk- face planted by so Chandler Jones. So like- many things we need to talk about, right? <laughs> so first of all, I respect Bill for going for the lateral play, right? Because he got burned by it. By Miami. You remember that a couple years ago? The or several Miami years miracle. ago. The Miami miracle, right? When uh, Miami burned the Patriots on that last second lateral play. So Bill's probably it's thinking drunk. like, hey, they could do that. We could do that, you know? Uh, so they tried. I mean, they got to midfield. But uh, that's just Jacoby Myers, you know, not trying to be a hero, trying to keep the play alive. Number one, he threw it to... The worst athlete on the field for sure. Probably the worst athlete on both sides, including kickers. I'm just gonna throw that out there, right? So wow, really? Over a kicker? Over a kicker? I'm gonna say, did you see that tackle attempt? (laughs) At least kickers have to (laughs) tackle the opposing. Like, okay, granted, they're not tackling Chandler Jones, right? Who's a Chandler Jones is three times Mac Jones size. John so. Jones's brother with an art with like one of the longest reaches in the NFL, and we saw that on that play because he planted Mac Jones through Allegiant Stadium into the Earth's core and just completely buried him. Uh, he like dug his grave. 
just slammed him into the face of the earth. But okay, come on. Mac Jones, you're okay, you're not an athlete. You're not sorry, you're not not you're not an athlete. You're not a defensive back. You're not a defensive player. But that might be the saddest tackle <laughs> I've ever seen. Like, what was he? He didn't lunge, right? He didn't lunge at the legs. It's like it's like he he was trying not to get hit. And then he remembered, oh, I have to make a tackle at the same time. And he's kind of like falling and like <laughs> praying Chandler Jones trips over one of his arms. Kind of thing. Like, oh my God. And uh, you know, I am I gotta say, I'm happy for the Raiders fans. Right? Last week after their <laughs> after the week they had uh last week, you know, uh I just gotta say I am I'm happy the Raiders got this win because, well, number one, it helps out Miami, right? They beat New England. So now New England seven and seven, that's, that's a big loss for them. And uh, yeah, Raiders fans, I guess it's the way you guys have to win games. <laughs> on defense, the other way around too. Yeah, Usually it's, it's happening to the Raiders. So it must feel good for them to be on the other side of a play like this for once, but. Oh my god, I can't even imagine what that locker room in New England must have been like after I just I think Bill lost the locker room, you know. Like he's or if not, it's pretty close to being lost. Like know. Mac Jones is going like all hell on loose on Matt Patricia, I think. Like those two are just they're not working. And you know, I don't think you would see this with a Tom Brady-led pitcher team in terms of that lateral. Because I, I feel like, okay, we're tied. Yeah, but we got Tom Brady on our team. Let's just win the coin toss and we win the game. <laughs> so it's like with all these things to keep in mind, maybe that's why they were so aggressive. I don't know. There's I don't know. No, no faith in that offense. Because nope, yeah. even... They don't look very good on offense, that's why. Yeah, their offense, yeah, does not look <laughs> does not look too great. I mean, they're 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 like turning into a Titans offense to me. Like Ramondre Stevenson is the offense. Everything else, like good luck. You play around that. Oh, that was a what a play, man. Probably play of the week. Uh play of the year for sure. All right, well, we'll get to a quick break here. Uh, We'll be back with more football, so uh, stick around. We still got a lot more to talk about. All right, let's talk more football, Matt, because like we said, craziest weekend of the year for sure. Probably craziest weekend we've had in the past several years. So let's get to another game, a historic game, a historic game for the Vikings, Uh, now part of probably the top two games of the year, I would say, you know, they had the Buffalo game, that was impressive, but this one is arguably, you know, I want to say more impressive, it just had to be against the Colts though, right? Uh, Colts are turning into one of those teams, I think, where it's just you're surprised when they win a game now, especially after this past weekend. 
but I'm sure Riley's happy. Uh, so let's get in to the Purple Vikings, right? So the Vikings pulled off officially now the largest comeback in NFL history, regular season, postseason, whatever, uh, 33 points, Matt. So with, Ish. I believe, eight eight and a half minutes to go, that was the uh, last time it was 33-0. Eight minutes to go in the third quarter, right? It was 33-0. to zero. And the Vikings go on to win the game in overtime 39 to 36 right and you know i even think the refs tried to screw the vikings out of this win uh i don't know what was going on with the refs this whole weekend we're we'll get into it a little bit um one play i thought that was pretty you know big and i thought was going to quite frankly i thought was going to bury the Vikings was uh, the no fumble call on Marlon Mack. Oh, sorry. No, not Marlon Mack. Zach Moss traded uh, on Marlon Zach Mack. Moss. Yeah, sorry. Not Marlon <laughs> Ex-cult. Mack. Ex-cult. Ex-cult. Uh, on Zach Moss, right? So, you know, I thought I had been seeing a trend this year that fumbles that are kind of close, right? Usually the refs this year have been leaning towards not blowing the play dead right letting it go to review and you know if it's a fumble okay great the other team gets to play it out right play the rest of the play out this one was so weird because usually when a play is blown dead you'll hear like whistles but even i don't know if it was so loud or or what it was the the broadcast didn't pick up the whistles but you know i saw we saw the ball come out uh, the Vikings guy picked up, ran with it, uh, but it was like he wasn't celebrating. It's like he kept looking back. He's like, what's the call, right? Like, what what's going on? They ended up ruling it not a fumble on the field, I guess. Uh, but it wasn't no, they, close. They, they called it a fumble, but they just blew the play dead. So they couldn't advance the ball. Like, the Vikings ended up getting the ball, yeah, but they don't get that touchdown. So just... I don't like I was like wow the Vikings are going to lose because of this and they almost did right because they didn't even end up scoring on that drive uh it was fourth down and Kirk tried to run and he didn't get there <laughs> so I was like man they're so screwed but this to me is a classic game and now it's going to be like 3 weeks of me talking about this theme of teams with a lead, okay, granted, 33-0 is ridiculous. But still, the, the, the logic applies. Playing with a lead, and you're playing not to lose, right? You score 33 points. Okay, granted, you only scored one of those touchdowns on offense, <laughs> right? I know your <laughs> offense is not very good. You lost Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you haven't been able to do anything with Matt Ryan all year. But still... Right, you try to put the game away one more score at least, right? But I mean, leave it to the Colts. Uh, screen passes, short throws, you know, runs up the middle. Like it was turning into like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. 
And, uh, you know, it's not like Minnesota played a perfect second half either, which is even more mind-boggling to me because 33-0, to you would think every, you know, drive by Minnesota after that is going to be a score, right? You just got to figure, right? That's the only way they can come back. But no, like they were punting. Um, they punted once in the second half. Kirk threw a pick, and they got they got turned over on downs. Um, with was it like thirty seconds or something? Oh no no! With with two and a half minutes left, it was they got turned over on downs. Uh, and the Colts were up eight, right? And this is the – I don't want to rip on Jeff Saturday here, man, okay? I don't want to, but I have to, okay? That's your guy, that's why, from the old days. I don't want to, but I have to, and this is why, okay? So, you know, I don't like the going against – or I don't I don't like the playing to lose, right? I've said that multiple times now. I don't like the conservative, oh, we just want to waste as much clock as we can, you know, uh, you know, just try to run out the clock. I don't like that approach. But if you're going to do it, stick to it, right? Stick to the conservative play. Now, I just I just brought up that um, the downs, right? They, they got turned over on downs, right? Minnesota got turned over on downs. Then here come the Colts with a chance to put the game away, right? So it's fourth and one now, right? On the Minnesota... 36. You're on the 36 yard line. Chase McLaughlin, your kicker, has been lights out the whole game. The whole game. He's he's making kicks, right? Your offense has done nothing to move the ball the whole game. Even though you had 33 points, your offense did nothing. So instead of taking what a 50 something yard field goal try, you're gonna try to go for it on fourth and one. When you haven't been able to do anything, like just the logic in that already to me, I get it's fourth and one, but you've been playing conservative this whole time. Like, honestly, a punt even would be better to me if you're just trying to run clock at that point, right? Because Minnesota needs a touchdown plus the two point conversion. So, if you're really just going to try to bleed the clock out some more, you don't trust your kicker, at least punt to have them, you know, inside their own 20. Make them go the length of the whole field with what? Actually, they didn't even have timeouts already. They didn't have timeouts. I'm pretty yeah, sure they burned them all. Yeah, they burned them all, right? So, like, you're choosing not to be. I'm not going to be aggressive. Nope. Conservative, conservative, conservative. Oh, fourth and one. Yeah, let's go for it. Like, you had no momentum the whole game. And, like, it. it's just a flip flop, no commitment to your plan. I don't even know if there was a plan. That's the thing. If I'm a Colt Colts fan, and I know I have, I know one Colts fan, my friend, I I can't even imagine like what it would what it's like. Yeah, um, I got a Colts friend too. So I just gotta it, say it, it's rough. <laughs> that was to me that that sequence right there. That's that lack of coaching to me. Um, like you to me, you just gotta pick a play style and commit to it. So. Yeah, that was my bet. I know this is this is ticky tack too, but on that same play, I was like, Matt Ryan. We're not even gonna talk about Matt Ryan because he's also making history with this loss. 
because he's he's blown Poor the biggest Maddie. Super Bowl lead and blown the biggest NFL regular season lead. So he's just, you know, he's going to be remembered as the biggest choker in the NFL, which is unfortunate. But on that fourth down play, I th- I thought it was weird because you know it's a sneak, but it's like when he was like he snapped the ball, but it's like he was like holding the ball like to his body, like yeah, he wasn't it was even like extended. not like high and it was, it was like chin, right? It's he's like holding it, um, <laughs> like yeah, like by his waist, kind of. Like, yeah, the like ball it was behind, behind him. him. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're a veteran quarterback, Matt. Like, how many quarterback sneaks have you done in the NFL? A lot. Like that, that was terrible. It look it just looks so awkward. And sure enough, that's probably why they didn't get it in the first place. And he's a big dude. Like he can, you know, find that little crease. He's not like Tyler. That he's not no, like... he's a he's a he's six four, right? He's pretty tall. It's like that was the ugliest quarterback sneak. Like I, I just thought that was so awkward just the way that he didn't extend the ball or like even try to extend the ball in that case it's like (laughs) you got jeff saturday and matt ryan what a perfect combination i mean just two i wouldn't say like losers but just just not winning pedigreed guys right now (laughs) in the nfl I mean, it's still it's early just... on Jeff Saturday, I guess. But what I've seen so far, he uh got a long ways to go. <laughs> Being a good coach, At I least... think Matt Ryan needs to call it a career too. He looks pretty, pretty washed. That offense, man, just I mean, they got a super young play caller too. I think the guy's like thirty, so he's not that much older than us calling plays. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that pretty much that killed you guys too, though, because now the Vikings are eleven and three. So. Well, it doesn't matter for us now because we can't. If we don't win the division, the Vikings don't really matter in a sense. Because the highest you would be is a five. I guess so. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. How how are you feeling on Minnesota? You sold on them? Absolutely not. Do you think I'm, as a Cowboy fan, I'm afraid of Minnesota? Of course not. I don't think we're going to play them in the first round, though, which is fine. Because I'm banking that we at least get the five seed. And I really hope it's Carolina or something like that. That would be great. (laughs) But probably going to be Tampa, I still think. And great in the playoffs is is another animal so it'll be a challenge but minnesota do i think they're gonna go past the second round probably not to be honest i think they'll win that first round matchup though yeah i could see them winning that first round matchup um because i mean as big as much as the colts choked you got to give some props to minnesota for not throwing in the towel i mean 33 oh absolutely 33 to zero is that is ridiculous man like you can't even do that in madden (laughs) 33 to 0 and come back. Right. So, I mean, props to the Vikings. They got grit. Um, they to me, the the one key thing about this Vikings team is that they're kind of the opposite of the Bills in the sense that they thrive in these close games. 
in the close games, one score games, I think they're undefeated. I think they're nine and oh in one score games this year. So if they hang around teams, uh I they just have shown it at least this year, Kirk has been getting the job done when it counts. Maybe this is just a one off year, who knows? But at least this year, they're a threat. So I'm not sleeping on the Vikings uh in the NFC anymore. But the Vikings, what's tricky is at times you can see right that second half like they were just clicking offensively obviously they came back 33-0 so you see the firepower but at the same time look at how they played in the first yeah, half they, got blanked. <laughs> they look they look like hot garbage and look at what they did against Dallas like they're capable of being really really bad and if you get that game in the first round of the playoffs that's it bye <laughs> yep. you're done season's over so you can't have that that inconsistency and maybe any other team except the Colts they don't win that game. <laughs> so let let's put a little bit of context into that. All right. But I can't see the Vikings having such high the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It's like there needs to be some kind of middle point. Got to balance that. So that's that's why I wouldn't get too hyped on the vikings yet but you got to give them credit they are 11 and 3 records don't lie that's tough to win in the nfl uh you can ask mr brady that because he is starting to notice how tough it is (laughs) out here like the regular guys in the nfl um you know mr burrow versus mr brady uh always nice to see like the up-and-coming guys play the goat see how they're going to do but uh the struggles continue for the bucks this year Matt you know up 17-0 uh against the Bengals and this is Tom Brady's i believe biggest or worst loss uh you know off a lead like that so 17 point lead pretty much going i mean 17 to 3 going into the half right you that's a game you expect a Tom Brady led offense to win, but the turnovers in that third quarter, absolutely brutal. Uh, just completely killed them. Bengals got hot in an instant. And once that offense gets rolling, yeah, good luck. Um, you know, we can talk about all the turnovers and stuff, Matt, but I know you said that you're not scared of Tom Brady, but is this the least scared you've been of a Tom Brady led team? Like, there's a oh, good yeah, chance you guys will for play sure. Them. There's a good chance yeah. I think you guys will play them. But, you know, I mean, I get the turnovers are not going to happen every game, right? But for Tom to have a pick and a fumble, you know, then the botched handoff, it's like, what is, I don't know what is going on in Tampa Bay because they still have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have Leonard Fournette. Julio Jones is playing. What is going on? I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they can do to change it. Um, yeah, it just does not look look good right now. I mean, they're six and eight leading the division. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be so so ugly. But what is the answer, Matt? Do you think they're gonna figure it out? I don't know what the. See, I always I'm like always saying this when we talk about the Bucks, but I feel like. They just go away. They don't run. They just, whatever it is, they refuse to lean on the running backs. 
in the beginning of the year, right? We saw it against Dallas, the first game. Leonard Fournette just torched us. I think he had like 25 carries too, over 100 yards. They were pounding the rock. And I was like, okay, like if Lenny is going to do this and compliment Brady in the play action game, you know, this team is, you know, where I thought they were going to be after that week one. Uh, They're going to be dangerous. But even in this game, right, you're up 17-0. How do you not try to establish a ground game? Especially when you have the lead. Because now you can play from uh, ahead, melt the clock, you know, you get Brady play action. That's that's exactly what you want. And just the stats don't lie. Fournette had 10 carries. Rashad White had 11. Like, I just don't think that's that's enough. And you're asking Brady, who's not at that MVP level right now, he's throwing 44 times. Like, that's... I just think they got to balance. It's like when we say about Miami, too. Even Dallas. I always say if Dak Prescott is throwing 50 times a game and they're running it 20 times, that's not good. I don't want my quarterback throwing that much. Got to be somewhere 50-50. And with the way Brady looks, I think they got to stick with that. Because I like, I never even heard of him, but Rashad White this year kind of just bursted onto the scene. And I think he's a great compliment to Fournette. Has a little more explosiveness um, and burst at this point than Lenny. So I need to see more of a ground game from Byron Leftwich. And I know him and Brady, you know, they have that tight, you know, relationship, but he's got to get away from Brady a little bit and take that pressure off of him. Gotta, gotta use those two backs more on the ground. But yeah, the Bucks this year, whew, they're a hot mess. That's and it starts good. with, it starts with t- number 12 though. Because I know, unfortunately, it's the off the field issues that I think, you know, play a big part to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. You can't you can't fix that, right? That's not a football related team thing. Like it's just his own personal issues that <laughs> it's not gonna go away anytime soon. So I don't know. I don't know. But hey, this is this is the time to play Brady. I will say. In the playoffs. If there's one year you want to do it. <laughs> it's looking like this year. Yep. All right. Uh, okay, let's shift over. What do I want to talk about next? Uh, really quick, Niners, Seahawks. I wanted to bring this one up. Uh, I'm sure this is the segment Michael looks forward to every podcast. So uh, let's get into Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy playing that. Cooper Rush-esque style football, zero turnovers, uh, control the game, right? Be accurate, get the ball out quick. And uh, to me, if I'm a team in the NFC, the thing that probably scared me the most about watching that game, you know, we know their defense is elite. Like I said, after the Miami game, I thought they were the best defense in the league. Um, But if Mr. George Kittle starts to get used in the way my that, fantasy uh, tight end the only thing you're happy about for a 49er uh offensive player is if they're on your fantasy team of course but um yeah if george kittle starts to get going again like to me i don't like i know shanahan's offense and i know it's a run you know scheme team and you get the ball to playmakers and kittle is such a good blocker in the run game but I've I've thought this for the past several years 
I think that George Kittle is the best tight end uh when the ball is in his hands. Like I know Travis Kelsey, right? He's super hard to tackle. And we, we talked about it before. I don't get why he's so hard to tackle. I don't know if he's so fast or whatever, but uh it's like when George Kittle gets the ball, you need to put multiple guys on him to to make a tackle. Cause he he's so strong and he runs so aggressively. Like he's gonna he's gonna make you pay if you try to tackle him one on one in open in the open field. Uh you know, that one breakout year several breakout years he had that was what the Niners did they just got him the ball quick let him go run you know he gets five six yards after contact and he just consistently did that so you know they they didn't have Debo right so you have George Kittle now stepping up like that this team is with Brock Purdy right now they're rolling and uh Seahawks they're the opposite right they had such a good start to the season uh, now they're starting to sputter. I think they were what six and three in one point. Now they're seven and seven, so they're starting to you know get exposed a little bit. Uh, I still like their defense, like the rookies, but the offense slowing up just a little bit, and uh, I'd be a little concerned if I'm Seattle. I don't know. I'm I don't know if I'm buying them staying in the playoffs with how they're looking right now. I think another team uh, in blue that's. Uh, up north is gonna come in and swoop that that spot from them. So uh, I think the Lions are gonna beat out the Seahawks. But yeah, this 49ers team, Matt, I think they're looking like one of the top teams in the league right now. Yeah, it pains me to admit that, but I I agree. Um, their skill position players are, you know, ah, I wouldn't say top one. I'll give them top five, but they're they're legit. Like you said, Kittle. He's dangerous in space. Obviously, we know McCaffrey, what he can do when he's healthy. Now, I do find it a little concerning that because Elijah Mitchell is hurt right now, that it is the Christian McCaffrey show. And it's just a common theme with these 49er running backs in the Kyle Shanahan offense. They always seem to get dinged up at some point. And I'm just wondering, it's like McCaffrey had 26 carries six catches 32 touches that's that's a lot for a small dude he's not derrick henry in size so i'm just wondering like can they really keep this up especially now that they have the division unlock like are they gonna keep but they got another just guy you know? running him in jordan mason jordan mason that yeah he's good too i know but it's that it's that that system right i feel like all the running backs can sh- can strive in this West Coast offense. So I worry if Shanahan gets too happy and too cute with McCaffrey that it's it might bite him late in the season because you don't want him to get hurt. So I'm a little concerned with that in terms of managing Christian McCaffrey's workload. But Brock Purdy, obviously he's the star, right? Because Jimmy G goes down. He was awesome. I, I really like what I see from him. Um, his poise in the pocket, and his football IQ. And I got to point out this play. So late in the game, 49ers have the ball. They're just trying to melt, melt the clock. They got a third down. Good play call by Shanahan, right? It was like a play-action boot. It's kind of like that pass option where McCaffrey, the running back, goes out in the flat. So you make the edge defender take either the, line, or either take the running back 
or if he bites to the quarterback, then you pitch it to the running back. Defender takes the running back. So Purdy slides, but he stays in bounds. And I was like, for him to have that presence of mind to stay in bounds and effectively win the game with that, I just thought that was a, a very, very highly intelligent play by Mr. Irrelevant. Because I don't know if many guys would be able to do that in that yeah, situation. He's Mr. Irrelevant now. Oh, he's yeah, exactly. No <laughs> and I, I personally, I'm not trying to rip on Trey Lance, but I don't know if he if he would do that. I, I really don't. Because he doesn't play that much on the field anyway. He didn't play a lot in North Dakota State. And he hasn't, he's barely on the field now in the NFL. So it's like, he doesn't have the game experience. Brock Purdy was a four-year starter at Iowa State. So he's been on the field. He's been in big games in the Big 12. And I think that experience in college, a lot of times we're like, oh, but you know, if you stay in college four years, you're probably not that good. Just going to be a backup. But to some degree, it kind of helps you because you get live game experience, live reps. And with that IQ that Purdy has, I, I think that's going to be huge for them, especially going into the playoffs because he's going to have to make that play if they're going to move on because that's going to be their recipe for, for success is running out that clock late in the game. So I'll tip my hat to Mr. Purdy. Um, I hope you do well, except when you play against my team. <laughs> Because okay. I want to see, I want to see them in the playoffs. Let me tell you that I want some revenge. Okay, from so last year, the fanatics are ready. And we we all know who I'm calling match. out on this podcast. I mean, we everybody knows who I'm calling out. <laughs> it's got the same last name as me, so we all know who that person is. But I want some revenge. All right. Well, I'll be looking forward to that matchup. Um. Okay. Well, last football play or football game, I guess want to talk about and we'll skip to the fourth quarter basically the last drive so new york beats washington to help dallas clinch a playoff spot so thank you to mr saquon barkley thank you to mr Kayvon Thibodeau for the giants but we got to talk about the last last drive right so the commanders are marching down the field right Heineke lays out, you know, props to Kayvon Thibodeau coming up with a big stop, mm-hmm. stopping Heineke at the one. Uh, but, you know, the refereeing in this game, I don't know. I don't want to say anything about rigged or what, or, you know, but even I think the fanatic will attest to there were some pretty questionable uh decisions made by the referees uh down the stretch here so let's start with the terry mclaurin penalty right so a video came out showing before the snap right terry mclaurin checks with the uh line judge right he's like checking to see basically if he's in the right position uh on the ball so when they mean on the ball it's like to be lined up with the ball pretty much right uh so he checks like he does like two takes to the ref like giving him a thumbs up basically asking if he is in a good spot 
And so I guess the ref says, okay, you need to move up a little bit more. So Terry takes like a scooch up, asks again, and he claims that he heard the line judge say, okay, you're good. Sure enough, as soon as the ball snapped, the ref already had his hand on the <laughs> he was, flag. His hand he was, was reaching into the pocket already. He was ready to go, throws the flag, uh, then that backs them up because they, end- they ended up scoring on that play, but it didn't count, right? So that negates the touchdown, backs him up. Uh, and then, you know, Heineke, last-ditch effort on fourth down, uh, tries to get the ball to Curtis Samuel, who has uh, one of the Giants' DBs hugging him from the back pretty much during the play. Uh, you know, nothing's called, right? Uh, that, to me, I thought there were a couple bad ones in the Miami game. None is blatant as that, as that uh that no call against the commanders. So my heart goes out to commanders fans because I am not even I don't care. I'm not commanders fan at all. Not a cowboys, whatever, I don't care. But to see that, yeah, that's tough, man. To to have the officiating like that essentially rob you of a game. Uh and it was a big game too, right? Because they would have been eight, five, and one. So that's a that would have been a huge win for Washington. Now instead, that's the Giants. But I don't know. I maybe it's scripted. Maybe they're like, ah, let's get Dallas into the playoffs here. <laughs> I'm sure you'd have no problem. I'm not. Compl- I had no complaints. Hey, you know what? I didn't even see anything. Great game, oh, refs. Great okay. game. Great game. You guys are awesome. That game. Okay. <laughs> even you know, even you know that had to be a little. That was a little suspect. Both of those plays. Well, I will say, the pass interference one. It is pass interference, but with the way the refs are, it's like <laughs> we don't even know. But the McLaurin one, if what he's saying is true, that's bad. <laughs> that's really bad. Especially because you know you could see the footage of him like yeah. checking the thumbs up, right? Like, mm. am I good? Am I good? And uh, the ref is saying whatever he's saying. And <laughs> he's like, before the play is even, he's like, I'm throwing this flag no matter what. Like, there it goes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one. That was a bad look. Uh, but in the end, it's a happy fanatic. Uh, they're in the playoffs. So congrats, Matt. I got to wait on my playoff celebration. Oh, okay. Well, that was a lot of football. We talked a lot of football. Take another break, I think. I think we got all our football out from this crazy weekend. So uh, we'll take another break here, everyone. Uh, and then we will we'll finish up with the rest of the sports that we talked about. Okay, so we talked so much about the American football. We got to talk about the other football, uh, otherwise known as soccer here in America. The proper term now since U.S. beat or uh, U.S. what U.S. beat England or no, we tied. We tied. See, it was so long. I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> it was something. I don't know. Uh, but we call it soccer here. So got to shout out the World Cup. Uh, Argentina won the World Cup. And, you know, we're not huge soccer guys. Obviously, we know some of the big names, right? And uh, even, you know, it's, it's so interesting how global soccer is, right? 
I don't even watch professional any really any type of professional soccer, right? I'll watch some Olympics. I'll watch the USA when, you know, they're on the World Cup. But, uh, you know, I still, even even me, I know, like, I've known Messi and I've known Ronaldo, you know, those, those big names that really dominate the sport. And uh, even... Even the guy that doesn't watch soccer had uh I had a preference to the Messi Ronaldo, uh, like side. I don't even know if you you would watch it uh that long ago, Matt. But I was always a Messi guy. I don't know if it was Me too. It's probably because uh he's not that physical. I mean, obviously he's fast, right? Fast, but it's more he's more skill based than he is like the athlete that Ronaldo was. And I don't know. Something about like guys like that, or like a Steph Curry, right? Or you know, even you can look to baseball, like uh, guys. It's more skill based. Usually, it's more like guys I can relate to, right? Um, so I was always more of a Messi guy, and uh, so I was, you know, I was I was rooting for Argentina. I was glad that they ended up winning, but um, man, it was a it was a good World Cup. I mean, uh, it was. I think Argentina was up two to zero, and then uh, Kylian Mbappe. That guy is a stud. That guy's only twenty three years old. He he has a chance of being the next goat. Like they're calling Messi the goat now that he won. Dude, Mbappe. He's only twenty three. This dude. I mean, he he scored all three of their goals. He's so he scored two more goals in like twenty minutes. I, it might have been within minutes of each other actually. To it uh, was like right? two it minutes, was, right? Two goals yeah. in two minutes. Uh, to tie it the world cup and uh, send it to extra time. Then when Argentina scored, he scored again, right. To send it into penalties. And then he made his penalty. Just his teammates couldn't make it. So, I mean, soccer is a team sport, uh, just like, you know, football in the sense that you rely on a lot of people, right. It takes a lot um, to get the job done. So, you know, congrats, kudos to him. He, he had a great world cup, but, uh, yeah, congrats to Argentina and Messi because uh, he finally did it. And, you know, it feels good because I was a Peyton Manning fan and uh, had to secede, you know, Tom Brady is the GOAT, right? It's like, uh, it's kind of hard to admit, but with the rings and everything he was. And then, you know, Kobe versus LeBron. I was a Kobe guy, obviously, right? Lakers. But, you know, LeBron had the better stats, uh, long career. Not as many cha- – he doesn't have five rings, though. Uh, so Kobe has that on him at least, but you know, as a player, I think everyone's kind of like would probably take LeBron over Kobe right now. So it feels good. I know it's not really in my sport, but uh, at least I got Messi, the Messi side for once. So I know, <laughs> I know what that feels like now to be on a winning side. Um, so shout out to Argentina. Okay, well that's the only soccer we're ever going to talk on this podcast. So let's move on to baseball, the the sport that we probably know the best. Uh, so I'm going to run through a couple of these big names, Matt, I'll give you your time. Uh, but there were a lot of signings this past week. So Carlos Correa went to the giants on a 13 year, $350 million deal. Pretty massive deal Goodness right there gracious. <laughs> uh, for Carlos Correa. I mean, no comment. Uh, you got Rodon, the guy, the Yankees have been, you know, chasing after and wanting to get, uh, they got their lefty, Starting pitcher, six years, 162 mil. Uh, Cindergard to the Dodgers. Ben Attendee. I thought it was a big loss for you guys, but you don't seem too concerned. 
five years, 75 mil. Gallo to the Twins. Eh. Dansby Swanson. This one probably stung a little, little bit for me. Seven years to the Cubs. So, I mean, he got his money, but you know, I'll talk about the, what this means for the Dodgers in a bit. Uh, J.D. Martinez, we signed J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal. Kind of sad to see Justin Turner go to the Red Sox. Uh, he's been such a vital part of our organization, and I'm, you know, I wish him the best of luck in Boston. So, And then uh, Michael Brantley returned to the Astros one year. But uh, obviously, Matt, for you, the big signing, Carlos Rodon. You got your guy. I'm sure you're stoked. So how are you feeling? So great. You know, this is this is what I needed Hal Steinbrenner to do because we got Aaron Judge, and I was worried that they were going to be like, yes, we got Aaron Judge. We're good. We're not going to spend any more money. No, that's not how this works because Aaron Judge is the baseline. Like, we just get Aaron Judge because he's supposed to be on our team. We would get ridiculed if we lost them. We wouldn't go anywhere without them. But now it's like we're getting getting those pieces to start to come back. And by adding Carlos Rodon, I can say on paper, I think we're the best. We have the best starting rotation, at least in the American League. Maybe it might concede to the Mets on paper. But in the American League, with no Verlander in Houston... Give me Garrett Cole in game one. Give me Carlos Rodon in game two. Give me Nestor Cortez in game three. Give me Luis Severino in game four. And if it may be, you still have Frankie Montas as your number five. I'll take that. That like that's depth right there. And the key is is staying healthy, obviously. So Herman's probably gonna get some starts. Clark Schmidt's gonna get some starts. Hopefully Luis Heel probably is gonna get some action this year. And then obviously Davey Garcia. So we got some young bucks in the minors ready and waiting. But um, I think this Rodon thing is huge, huge. Because the way that he pitches too, he's a power pitcher. He's got that swagger. That's the kind of guys that the Yankees like to get. You know, Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, you know, very passionate animated guys. And with Carlos Rodon, he's the exact, same build and he wanted to be in the Bronx it was a perfect perfect match and I thought the contract negotiation was actually pretty great by both sides right it was reported the Yankees wanted five years um Rodon's camp wanted seven happy medium they meet they get six years that's that's great business right there great business by the Yankees great business by Rodon's camp um and I'm ready the only thing that I'm a little I wouldn't say worried, but we need a fix is we do need a left fielder. And right now we have Oswaldo Cabrera penciled in, but I think he's more suited to be kind of our utility man. You know, he can play left field. Obviously he can play right. He's a natural shortstop, so he can play in the infield, but he he's more fitted, I think, to be that gadget guy. But we need an everyday left fielder and it's not going to be Aaron Hicks. I don't care who it is. It's not him. We're going to release him. We should just cut him. I don't know. Trade him for a bag of chips. I don't know. Do whatever you need to do to not get him in the lineup. Um, but Benintendi, yeah. I wanted him back, but I wasn't really expecting him to come back, to be honest. So now I'm kind of looking for the Yankees. Okay, who do we have left? 
Brian Reynolds. Are we going to trade for Brian Reynolds? It's going to cost a lot. I don't know how much, you know, that's going to be, but Michael Conforto, I think could be an option. I like him as another lefty bat. Um, Max Kepler is out there and eh, not too sold on him, to be honest. He's a twin. We always own the twins in the playoffs. I don't want to see them on my team, to be honest. Um, so it, I'm kind of just looking at Conforto at this point or Brian Reynolds, depending on the price. But that that relief that we got Carlos Rodon is it feels good. It feels good to be a Yankee fan again for once because pretty sour note in October. So I'm I'm OK right now. I'm at like a seven <laughs> in terms of satisfaction in this offseason so far. I mean, a seven's not bad. Um, I'd be pretty happy if I were you guys. I'll just say, Correa, I'm looking forward to hating you even more for the next 13 years. So uh, get ready for the loudest booze you've ever heard. Uh, game one in Dodger Stadium. You thought it was bad when you were on the Astros. Just wait. Because um, we'll never forget. But, you know, just... I'll react to some of my Dodgers moves. So, J.D. Martinez, I'm pretty happy because we got him pretty cheap. I know he hasn't That's been... That's a great signing for you guys. He hasn't been peak J.D. Martinez, right? But, I mean, he still hit 270, which nowadays, that's 270, 280 is like hitting the new 300. <laughs> Honestly, if we're being honest, uh, with how good these pitchers are now. So, that that helps uh, fill in a spot for us. And uh, Noah Syndergaard... I'm I'm really excited to see what this pitching staff can do uh with with Cindergard like I said you know in the past how we've turned guys that were you know a little bit lackluster into quite frankly all-stars right uh Tyler Anderson this past year we had Alex Wood the year before and uh even Rich Hill before that I mean I know they're all lefties but uh we've done a pretty good job at developing pitchers who you know weren't at considered a high quality starter and uh, turning them into high caliber starters. And Norris Syndergaard already was once, you know, people forget he was the guy in New York uh, once upon a time ago over Jacob DeGrom, right? He was the, he was the ace. So, you know, he still has his stuff. I think with the right uh, coaching, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Hopefully he can be a good arm for us. Uh, in the regular season as we wait for some of our guys to get healthy. So, you know, no welcome to LA. But let's be honest, uh, Dodgers not making the big splashy moves that at least we had been accustomed to seeing over the past several years, right? We were starting to become the new New York Yankees, quote-unquote, um, at least in the free agency market with buying up their players. But I'm telling you, this just means they're resetting their uh, tax taxes you know uh they're gonna choose to reset everything uh unload some of the contracts you know we are like we've already been seeing right justin turner uh cody bellinger not coming back so i think this just kind of confirms what i had thought this whole time we're gonna make the push next year uh for mr otani and you know i'm i'm okay with that honestly uh i'm expecting I'm not going to lie, I'm expecting a bit of a down year in the regular season, right? I think the Dodgers have now seen, and I mean, I've 
we've talked about this too. But really, you know, the thing that matters is are you hot at the right time? And that time being in October. Are you hot in October uh, or not, right? Dodgers set their franchise record for postseason wins. Or, sorry, uh, regular season wins. Franchise record for regular season wins. But, you know, when it mattered the most, bats went cold, right? And the season were over just like that. So I'm thinking they're going to try to establish, you know, figure out how to get by in the regular season and just, you know, hopefully the team gets hot in October. And quite frankly, that's all that matters. So I'm okay with this. If if we're not going to make a play and we're going to throw all the money in the world at Shohei Otani next year, I'll be okay with that. Because uh, even if we don't get him, we're getting someone. <laughs> I don't care who it is. If we don't get Shohei, some, another big name is coming to LA next year. So I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Sucks to see Justin Turner go, though. He's a big... That was it's gonna suck seeing him in that Red Sox. It's like a it's like a new area of Dodger baseball. Like that whole core is is gone except for Kershaw. I think he's yep. the only one, right? I mean, Seager left. Now Cody's gone. Justin Turner's gone. Obviously, lost Kenley, right? So it's now kind of a it's a Mookie, Freddie, uh, Will Smith team right now. <laughs> so now yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, well, I'll conclude some baseball talk. Really quick, let's do quick NBA shout-out. And we got to shout-out our boy, Dame Dalla. Uh, absolute stud. You know, he, he's balling out again, which is always good to see. So he passed Clyde the Glide Drexler as the leading scorer in uh, the Portland Trail Blazers franchise history. 18,041 points and counting now. So congrats to Dame. You know, I wasn't a Blazers fan before I got to Portland. Barely even watched the Blazers. I I mean, I knew Damian Lillard, obviously, but to see him and to see really something that's basically unheard of in today's uh, game and that being loyalty to a team, right? Uh, for him to choose to stay in Portland and uh, I think their team this year I know they have been inconsistent but I think if they get it together come playoff time and they're firing on all cylinders they can go toe-to-toe with any team in the league with just how their roster is created so uh, I'm happy for Dame hopefully they find some success if the Lakers don't win of course Um, but yeah congrats to Dame Got to give a round of applause to Dame. See, man, you want to say anything about Dame? There's nothing to be said. I think he's the greatest Blazer. I want to put that out there. Oh, right. I think it's been. Is that is that a establishment? Okay. So yeah. Um, But man, we watched Dame grow up. Basically, he's an old man now on this team. (laughs) Thirty-two, man. But, I mean, yeah, he's just got to stay healthy. He's starting to get a little old. Injury bug is starting to hit him a little bit. So, I think they got to rely a little bit more on Ant. Ant-Man's got to take over a little bit, take that burden off of him. 
Yeah, and but... just needs to get that clutch gene from Dame because yeah. yeah. they had they were they were in a close one tonight too, and they lost. Yeah, at they, the buzzer. Yeah, they couldn't pull it out. So, hey, Jeremy Grant is the clutch guy. I think he has like two game winners this year. Yeah. Well, we'll take them however we can get them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basketball, anyway. I mean, still the regular season. Couple big injuries though. Steph and Anthony Davis out. Oh man, that's gonna hurt both those teams really bad. I think. Uh, at least you know the Lakers. We got absolutely smacked by Phoenix tonight. Uh, I don't know how the Warriors are gonna find offense. They're gonna have to become a Jordan Poole run team. And at least, you know, Jordan Poole did step up. I think he had like 40-something career high the other night. So you want to see that from him. I think he's going to have to take over to put that Steph role while Steph is out. So we'll see if they can they can hold their own until their savior comes back. But, uh, yeah, other than that, NBA, yeah. still early. Not even Christmas yet. We'll get to it, all right? The season but... starts on Christmas Day, right? Yeah, we'll get that's to what it. The, that's the NBA saying. We'll get to it. But let's finish up, Matt, a uh, little Hawaii basketball preview. So got the Diamond Head Classic coming up this weekend. You will be in attendance. Yeah, we'll see how I feel. Maybe I'll make it out. I'll watch the games on TV. Um, But how are you feeling? Pretty confident? I think if they're going to win the tournament for the first time ever, this is their best chance. Cause I think they have a good, good draw of the bracket. Um, from what I've heard, I think Iona is going to be tough coached by Rick Patino. So anytime he's coaching, they're going to be good. They're on the opposite side and Utah state is good this year. They're also on the opposite side. So you got a little you know, weaker side with UH. They obviously play Pepperdine. If they advance, I'm most likely going to pencil in Washington State in that semifinal potential game, assuming both teams win. And that's a winnable game. Washington State, yes, they're in the Pac-12, but are they beatable? Absolutely. So I think UH, this, I'm really high on this UH team. I don't know why. They're not even the best team that I've seen. In recent time it's still that tournament team i think 2016 but just the way that the cards are falling i think this is the closest thing that we've got so far and they have the talent they have the depth to do it and to me the the guy there's so many x factors to me but my x factor is mr avea our local boy right we already know noel coleman is you know the guy on offense at least but what i saw in the last game is samuta got back to being the old samuta slashing to the basket driving the basketball got a couple dunks which is good to see right that's what he's known for getting the crowd engaged they're gonna need all of that they're gonna need all of that he also hit a three uh he he's been struggling mightily from three this season but if he can keep that momentum going and be the sidekick to, to Coleman, take a lot of pressure off of him that allow him to get more one-on-one sh- uh, opportunities because I think defenses are starting to figure out, okay, if we take away this guy Coleman, you know, I don't think any of, any of the other guys can beat us one-on-one or hurt us that bad. So if Avea can play um, to what he's capable of and build off of his last game, uh, UH, they'll be in a good position to win. They'll be in a 
great position. And I I I would put a bet in a thousand Vegas, I would put a bet on them to win the tournament. That's how confident Ooh. I am. All right. <laughs> I'm not even a gambler and I would that. I would put I would put money on them to win. All right. Well, let's go bows. Uh hoping for a let's dub go there. bows. <sighs> All right. Oh, hopefully uh when we check in next week it's a really happy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh well, we spent a long went went pretty long on this one. So, uh Matt, why don't you round us out here? Sports facts and uh let's call it a pod. All right. So, we're recording on December 19th and let's stick to the football theme back in 2010 as they called it. The Miracle at the Meadowlands. This was the classic, uh, I guess you could say, birth of Deshaun Jackson. Um, 14 seconds, Giants punted the ball to him. Who knows why? He takes it back to the house with no time left on the clock, and the Eagles end up beating the Giants. No idea. Still have no idea why the Giants even punted the ball to him. You don't That's know that story? Absolutely insane. He, he got. He wasn't supposed to. Do you know? Did you not know that? Yeah, I know. It was oh, kind of okay. a, a a side joke, but why, oh, okay. why, why you punt the ball to Deshaun? <laughs> but it would be the two teams that I like the least, right? The Giants and the Eagles. But the miracle at the Meadowlands, starred by Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that guy got cut the next day. By the way, that punter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a tough way to end your NFL career, man. Oh, but anyway, okay. Well, thanks for sticking around, everyone. We know it was a long one, but everyone, please uh, stay safe this weekend. Uh, have a good Christmas if you celebrate it. Uh, everyone, you know, eat well and presents and Christmas cheer, all that, all that good stuff. So everyone, stay safe. Uh, thanks for listening to this one, and uh, hopefully we will be back with a happy podcast next weekend. Uh, So thank you, everyone. Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll catch you guys later.